what is up everybody this is hater radio my name is chris mclean uh it's another edition of the preview show um this is week 12 i cannot believe that we're literally one week away from the last week of the regular season it just it goes by so quickly it's it's pretty much over it like a blink of an eye i mean i always try to tell my fiance because she always makes fun of me because how much attention i pay to this stuff and I'm just like, you know what? It is four months out of the year. And, you know, literally the rest of the year, there's like nothing that I like focus as much attention, obviously, as I turn this into a business. But, um, you know, it is a great sport. I love it. It has a lot of flaws. You know, I was even talking to um, someone that played for UCLA today. Uh, you know, Speaking of the UCLA-USC rivalry, but I talked to him today. And he was just saying how, you know, how much, uh, you know, you know, you have issues with the coaches getting a lot of money. You know, you have issues with like transfer portal stuff. And it's like, you know what, the the way college football is right now is obviously not perfect. And mm-hmm. um, but there's something that I believe is good. I believe the NIL is giving uh, the athletes an upper hand here. I think they're getting money, which they deserve. They deserve to be paid. And that is happening, which is great. Um, I think that they could, you know, I've heard other people talk about the, the, the buy, not the buybacks, but the payouts for if coaches get fired, which that needs to go away because I don't think yeah. any sport has that. And that pretty much gave Jimbo the incentive not to succeed. He didn't care. Because if he got fired, he was going to get this golden parachute. You know, he's making like $76 million or whatever it is just to leave. And, like, he's he's set for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to do anything. He never has to work again. He literally has all this money. He can, like, buy all kinds of things. Like, he can start other businesses and do other things. Like, this is this was his way out. <laughs> yeah. And he was very – and as much as it, like, it uh, is bad for college football, it was smart on his – his part, which is predominantly doing with his agents, uh, uh, workings, but, um, so, all right. Speaking of it being the second to last week, um, there's a lot of news going on. I wanted to specifically talk about, uh, you know, first we had, you know, Jimbo getting fired, then the, um, Boise state coach got fired. Then, um, Mississippi state coach got fired. And then there's reports yesterday saying Chip Kelly is going to get let go after uh, the USC game, which, you know, I'm surprised they just didn't fire him. I don't know why that would be out there because I saw it on multiple things. So that seems more than likely at this point now. And then, um, you know, there's some rumors about Billy Napier. You know, there's a lot of, you know, even since Sunday, there's already been like two other decommits. Uh, that have happened, um, Mac the DB, and then uh, Nasir Johnson the defensive lineman. So, you know, it's with uh, recruiting. It's always like I try not to pay attention to it. I a lot of the guys that I follow on Twitter are really deep into it, and I try not to put my nose into it because it's it's just not something I enjoy. And so, and I only really have been up on it because of uh the people that i follow are really into it so it kind of bleeds into my timeline on uh on uh, twitter so i happen to see it more often than not more than i would like to and so now it's like you know the the barbarians are at the gate because they're ready to get rid of billy because of these decommits because they say the only reason that billy's there is because of the recruiting and if he's if the recruiting is not there And there's no reason for him. But like we were talking about beforehand, um, it seems likely that he's going to stay and that, um, you know, the the powers that be, you know, the boosters and the people in charge at Florida are not wanting to change hands again. They've done so in the last uh, 12, 13 years, uh, four times. They really don't want to do a fifth time already so soon. 
So they want to see if something sticks. And I agree. I think that's the format here. This is what they need to do. Just let this play out. You know, you know, obviously this year is a bit of a wash, but I even said that in the beginning of the year, I thought this year was going to be, you know, kind of like a bonus year. Like if they did well, it's great, but they're more than likely going to go like six and six, seven and five, which they may not even go that at this point. Yeah. But it, it, it still, it doesn't matter. They're still, they have a ton of freshmen playing on defense, a ton of freshmen playing on offense. You know, that's going to pay dividends to next year. There's very few seniors and very few uh, even juniors in that as well. So this team is going to be very experienced next year. Um, definitely the defense sees a step up because I was looking at the offensive stats and like, you know, for uh, the passing uh, yardage and total yardage, you know, the Florida offense is like 45th in the country. So obviously the offense is not the problem here. It definitely is the defense, which is like 70 something in total defense right now. So something needs to change. Um, you know, it's going to be two tough games coming up. Uh, the, uh, uh, Missouri game and then the Florida State game. But actually, what I wanted to talk about before we get into the other games is uh, the conference stuff. Um, I don't know how much you looked into it. I know we did it last week a little bit, but now it's getting more clarity. Um, I looked at all of the breakdowns and like the tiebreakers and such. So like it looks like Tulane is more than likely going to get the AAC. They just have to win one of the games. I think they have UTSA and um, FAU. And so if I think if they win one of those games, they go. And then it's like a, a, a three-way jam between like Memphis, UTSA, and um, uh, SMU. So um, it's more than likely Tulane because if they beat FAU, I think they get it because they would have the tiebreaker on UTSA because I think they would only have – uh, I think one loss at that point in conference. Um, but then one of the one that, I mean, the interesting ones are obviously the big 12 and the PAC 12 um, big 12 is like such a log jam. There's like six teams and it's like, I'm, yeah. I'm not even trying to decipher that one. Cause like all of them like kind of play each other. And like, there's all like scenarios that like almost every one of them has a likely, shot so it's like almost no one's out there the acc uh louisville wins and they're in or they need north carolina to lose the last one of two so is more than likely louisville can do that because they play miami even though it's going to be a tough game um but uh big 10 it's likely iowa yeah. ohio state and michigan winner um but potentially Nebraska too, because Nebraska does play Iowa the last week, but it, I think it would have to be Iowa would have to lose both the last two games. And, and to Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, SEC is already decided. That's already Alabama, Georgia, and then PAC 12 Washington wins and they're in. And if Oregon wins too, then they're in. But if Washington loses and Oregon wins, then the winner of uh, the winner of Oregon State. Wait, how do I have this? If Washington loses, because they would that would mean losing to Oregon State, and Oregon wins, which they were playing Arizona State, then the winner of Oregon State, Oregon, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. It would be if Washington loses to Oregon State and Oregon wins, then the winner of Oregon State, Oregon would get in. But then you also have to remember there's Arizona. Yeah. If they win out, they have a chance as well. They have a tough road because they play Utah. Um, yeah, it, but it would follow their tiebreaker, which their tiebreaker is like um, uh, common opponents per win percentage and then the only other one that was different that did cfp rankings for a tiebreaker was the aac so there's a lot of scenarios here they're really the only two 
that are technically decided uh, per se are probably the SEC and the Big Ten. So there's a ton to happen the next two weeks. And then as well with the uh, the conference championship games too. So nothing is really decided playoff-wise, which makes it more interesting. But if we come into a scenario like next year where it's 12 teams, you know. It's it much more wide open. Yeah. It opens the door for like countless teams. So that is a completely different game. And I'm totally excited about that. I know we've talked about that plenty. So let's move on. Um, actually, real quick. Who do you have in your Heisman list? Because we haven't done that in a while. I know I've kind of let that slip, but I've been I've been trying to just decide if like waiting later in the year is probably better off. And I think that's probably the case here. So who who do you have like top uh top three or four guys you've got? Yeah, so the top ones I have right now, um, no particular order. Uh Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Marvis Marvin Harrison Jr., Blake Corum, and um and uh, Bo Nix. Yeah, and I feel that's – I think maybe Blake Corum is probably the one that I'm like, mm, I mean, not – like he's had a lot of games where he's disappeared, um, which is probably to do with Donovan Edwards stealing his uh, um, his carries. But the rest of those guys, for sure. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud. Bo Nix has been balling out. Michael Penix Jr. is killing it. And Jaden Daniels. I think those four are the ones – that are going to be uh, uh, in New York. I think right now it's like they'd have to be like something drastic in the next next two weeks for that to not be the case. And it seems likely. Um, Jaden Daniels, man, you know, it was historic last week. I think he was the first person ever with, what was it like, over 300 yards passing and, and 200 rushing. 250 rushing, yeah. yeah so it was like, yeah. Yeah, so it was – I mean, he – obviously, Florida's defense is terrible, but, um, you know, still the numbers that he's put up have been uh, remarkable. Okay, so let's jump into it. The first game we've got – and I'm going to talk about UCLA because of Chip Kelly. So, um, you know, it's UCLA-USC. It's a big rivalry game. I might end up going to this game. I haven't decided yet. Um, I I still really do want to watch the Florida Missouri game because um, I'm hoping that Florida can pull that one off. But no, so um, UCLA comes to this game with you know uh, a lot of losses lately, and um, Chip Kelly is on the verge of being fired. It seems likely at this point, and it's what will motivate this team. I mean, their defense is strong. They make a lot of plays. They hold a lot of teams to um, uh, lower yardage totals all year. They, uh, you know, they've they've basically been in every game they've played because of their defense. And it's a shame because all they really needed was like, you know, above average quarterback play. And right now they'd probably be like eight and two. And you know, it's a shame. You know, because they they could have easily beaten Utah because they were stifling that offense, you know, to nothing. I think they only allowed seven points, uh, you know, against Utah on uh, against their defense because the other one was a pick six. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I think what it boils down to with the whole Chip Kelly thing is he had DTR for five years or whatever it was, and he never developed another quarterback besides that. And because of that, it uh, put a huge hole in his quarterback room. He brought in Devin Moore, which was great. He is a stud and going to be a good quarterback. But you cannot expect an 18-year-old to be good at college football. It's just not possible. There's very few instances of a freshman quarterback actually doing well. Like I, I can't even recall – any time of one being good. Most of the time that a quarterback has done well as a redshirt freshman, which means an additional year away from high school. So that is a big difference from uh, a kid that is a 18 year old kid. And I'm not denying his talent. I know he's going to be good. I'm just saying 
that it was too much of a struggle this year to rely on him to be the savior when, um, you know, they just had holes. You know, Schley was obviously not a well-rounded quarterback. And Garbers, um, in some ways, is all right, but then he got hurt. And so it really kind of, you know, just derailed everything. Um, I don't know. It's a shame. I I thought this team was going to be better this year. Uh, you know, obviously the Pac-12 is a a beast this year. This has been, like we've said all year, this has been the best Pac-12 in, like, ever. I don't think I ever remember a Pac-12 uh, conference race being as good as it is. With- They're going out with the Bane. <laughs> yeah, and it's been great. I, I, I've loved every week. You know, the Washington-Oregon game was amazing. Almost every game Utah has had has been a close game. You know, they've they've played with they've played everyone close and, you know, and more power to them, considering that they were, you know, having a quarterback like Barnes, you know, who's obviously not that talented, but he still held his own. He played really well against USC and, you know, kept them in the Washington game. And it's it's been remarkable. It's been a great run. I love what Washington and Oregon are doing. I can't wait to see that game, the conference championship game, because then what's going to happen, which will will be crazy, is if they both get there as uh, Washington undefeated and Oregon with one loss, and if Oregon wins that game, what do you do in that instance when it's like they already played each other head-to-head twice and one beat the other at home and the other beat the other on a neutral site I think you kind of have to give it to Oregon there. Um, but at the same aspect, uh, Washington has had a harder schedule. Um, it'll just be – it'll be crazy if that happens because if it's, you know, two one-loss teams from the Pac-12, how do you deny either of them? Um, I they, they may deny both, which that would be even worse if that happens. I don't – I can't – I can't imagine the playoff committee seeing – both of those teams with one loss out of that gauntlet of a schedule that they've had this year and being like, Oh yeah, um, we're not going to go with either of these teams. I would be, man, I would be, I would be pissed if I were either of those teams, but um, let's get back to USC UCLA. Cause we've been obviously talking about uh, the PAC 12 in general, but USC, you know, this would be, a great way to finish the year. This is the last game of the year for them uh, besides a bowl game and potentially Caleb's last game. Cause I don't know if he's going to play in the bowl game, but he's definitely going to play in this game and um, you know, winning this game, winning a rivalry game, you know, going out eight and four after, you know, tough losses. Um, it would be a good way to finish it off. And I think they can, I think they, they can score enough points. Um, you know, UCLA's offense is pretty putrid because of the quarterback situation. So, um, I think USC can score uh, enough to be able to withstand that defense. Um, I'm going to say, uh, they put up like 35 and then UCLA puts up like 20. What do you got? Yeah. So for this one, it is kind of a interesting thing because you're dealing with a really bad, defense historically bad of USC against a really bad offense of UCLA um, who right now is, you know, just trending backwards. And a lot of that can go into the fact that they don't really have a well-developed uh, quarterback in play, but you, you're right on the fact that UCLA has kept them uh, in games based on their defense, still the top 10 defense in the country. Um, for me though, as you know, it it would be good for SC to finish the year, you know, eight, you know, eight and four, and in front of the home crowd, and you know, beating a rival, uh, and UCLA. But my whole thing is that USC has struggled mightily against very well developed defenses. I don't know if this counts as an upset, but I'm going to take UCLA in this one. I I think UCLA is going to pull it off. They're going to contain uh Caleb Williams and really you know force him to win the game um because with how bad SC's defense is I can see UCLA at least putting up more than 25 points and I think that can really you know 
give be the driving force to help the defense as well. So I'm going to take UCLA winning this one. I'm going to go a close. I'm going to go 30 to 28 Bruins. Um, the last thing I want to mention on this one is um, UCLA. If they do fire Chip Kelly, I think the smart thing to do would be to put um, the defensive coordinator Lynn as uh, interim head coach for the rest of the year. And then what they should do is they should hire this guy because he looks like, I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing on defense and the defense has been amazing considering uh, the offenses he's gone up against in the PAC 12 and how well they've done like nationally, they're ranked highly. Um, so um, I would keep Lynn on and then I would go after a very young offensive coordinator um, to spice up this offense a little bit um, and try to keep Devin Moore. I mean, I think that's yeah. like, honestly, keeping Devin Moore has got to be goal number one. And, you know, I, you know, Richard, uh, my friend that keeps sending me in, inside info about UCLA, he, he said, um, you know, he posted the, he gave me those tweets about his grandmother being pissed, Devin Moore's grandmother. And it's like, yeah, you know, like they're not happy with what's going on. And it's like, um, you know, it, I think they have a situation where they can, they can ride this out. And if they can get defensive coordinator, Lynn, I can't remember his first name, but Lynn, um, into the head coaching position and then um, go from there. I would, the kid seems to know what he's doing. You know, he obviously was a safety coach in the NFL. He's definitely got um, enough, uh, you know, wherewithal to get to these organizations and do well. So he's, very smart kid, put him in a position and then hire an offensive coordinator that can uh, run the offense. Okay. Um, next game we've got USF and I'm wearing my green and I know Ian's got his shirt on too. Uh, USF UTSA. Um, are you there? Yeah. I can you hear me. Yeah. The video is like blanking out, but whatever. Um, so you know, you know, uh, UTSA's quarterback. What is it, Harris? No. Um, yeah, Ian. it's uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. What What is UTSA's quarterback name? What's his last name? Uh, it's Frank Harris. Frank Harris. Yeah, yeah. So, Frank Harris obviously has been hurt most of the year. He's back in finally, so um, he's probably going to have a good game because this USF defense has been largely, you know, faltering. They had a better game against Temple. They caused four turnovers, which were huge, but still Temple moved the ball pretty well at times against them. Um, I think UTSA will probably score at least, at least 35, maybe even 42 points. Um, I'm going to say USF, though, can score on this UTSA defense because other teams have Tennessee did, which Tennessee is a very similar defense or offense as USF's because, you know, uh, uh, Golish learned from uh, jo jo uh, Josh Heupel at Tennessee. So um, I think that this offense with Byron Brown, which has put up tons of numbers all year, you know, he's one of the best uh, numbers wise quarterback in the entire country um, with total yardage. Uh, I can see him putting up 300 yards in the air again and maybe like 80 on the ground. I can see Naquan Wright having a good game. Um, I can see uh, Sean Atkins putting up even more numbers to his record uh, that he's been putting up uh, single season-wise. And it'll probably be a close game, I'm, I'm thinking, and I know UTSA is obviously a better team than USF currently, especially the last couple of years. But I think South Florida can play in this game. Um, they're looking to be bowl eligible. Um, they're one win away. They'll likely do it against Charlotte, but to get it against UTSA would be even bigger. Um, I think they can win this game, but I think that UTSA is going to win. So I'm going to say UTSA wins like, 38 to like 32. What do you got, Ian? 
Yeah, for me in this one, because I actually think both these teams are even except for USF's defense, obviously. And I feel like USF is just going to straight up play it in a shootout. And I do think they're going to score a lot in UTSA. And I have this, regardless of it being USF, this was definitely, for me, like an upset watch type deal. UTSA has rattled off, you know, constant wins. I think they've won uh, like six in a row as of right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm my thinking was um, UTSA, the best chance USF has is that UTSA just goes into this sleepwalking. Um, because what it looks like is that USF has more to play for. They are more motivated uh, because they're going to do anything possible. I've seen these practices to, you know, get to this bowl game. Yeah. The one thing uh, not considered, though, was, you know, who UTSA plays next week is Tulane. Tulane. So if they dropped this to USF and then dropped to Tulane, they're out of the conference championship. It would be Tulane yeah. and SMU. Right, so yeah. now UTSA cannot afford to slip up. And I think that the motivation is going to be the biggest thing. I don't see UTSA just, you know, letting going into the sleepwalking, knowing they have to win these next two games to go to the conference championship. So yeah. when it comes out of this, I think USF is going to give them one hell of a scare because both these teams are fighting for very different things and they both want it really bad. But when it comes down to it, I think UTSA as of right now has the better team. So I'm going to take the Roadrunners winning this one. I'll take it in a shootout. I'll go 45-35 or UTSA. All right. So next one we got is Florida, Missouri. Um, You know, I think that Florida can win one of these next two. You know, I I like their chances against Florida State because it's a home game, it's a rivalry game, it's senior night, um, it's a sold-out swamp, it's at night. This game is a little bit more difficult. It's on the road. Um, they've had trouble against Missouri in the past. I think they're like six and six or like five and either six and six or six and five against Missouri um, throughout their history playing them since they've been in the conference. Um, you know, Missouri's offense is very good. You know, uh, Brady Cook, uh, Luther Burden, um, Schrader, like all these guys are very good. Um, even some of the other uh, like uh, non-stars are pretty solid as well. Um, you know, their defense is very solid probably one of the better defenses in the entire country. And it's been a large reason why they have been in every game they've played, even that game against Georgia on the road against two time defending national champion. Um, they, uh, you know, they held their own and they were right there at the very end. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. This game is definitely tough to gauge because it's like Florida could get blown out and that would be a very terrible thing because then, um, you know, the hot seat will get even hotter. Um, but I, I don't know. I just see, I see them. I see the way they competed against LSU. I see what the offense has done the last couple of weeks. The only really, um, the only real team that has stopped them lately was Georgia. And I think Georgia's got a way better defense than Missouri's. Not that Missouri's is terrible. Obviously, I praised it earlier, but I'm just saying, like, Georgia's is always top 10, maybe even top five, while Missouri's is maybe, like, I'd say top 20. Um, you know, they gave up a lot of points to LSU as well. They gave up a decent amount of points to Kansas State. They gave up a bunch to Georgia. So you can score on this team. It's not like you can't, but I will counter. They performed well against Tennessee, but so did Florida. Florida fared well against Tennessee too. So um, this is a tough one to say. I I think Florida, if they can, if they can come out the way they did against LSU offensively. I think they have a shot. I think that they need to just, you know, keep that momentum going as far as what they're doing on offense. You know, if they, I know they had a lot of success out of 12 personnel running the ball 
um, against LSU. And, um, you know, it's, I think they can do the same, but I'm, I'm not sure because it's like the linebackers at Missouri are way more adept than the linebackers at, I mean, outside of Harold Perkins at LSU. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think this Missouri team may be able to stuff them uh, running wise, which would then force Florida to be in a pass first uh, situation, which is not where they want to be. They do like running the ball. Um, I think, I don't know, but at the same time, I think that Billy knows that a lot is on the line here and that he needs to get at least one victory because one victory is bowl eligibility. And then two, it also um, stops this losing streak because they can't go on a five game losing streak to end the year. That would be, that, that would be not good. That could, that could lose his job. Um, But I think, again, what I've tried to articulate is that I think Florida state is the more winnable game. Yes. I know they're a better team than Missouri, but how much better because Missouri's already ninth in the CFP. That's only like five spots away from Florida state. So obviously people think very highly of uh, Missouri. Um, So I think, I think this is going to be a tough game. I think they're probably going to lose, but it could be close. And I'm, hoping that it's close because I think losing this as a close game would go a long way, even though, um, you know, still losing is terrible. Um, I'm going to say Florida probably loses or Missouri wins probably like uh, 32 to like 27. What do you got? Yeah, I'm same here. It Both of these offenses are actually pretty – um, even with each other. And if you look at the rankings, um, I know per SEC, Missouri ranks five and actually Florida ranks six in total offense this year. Um, with that being said, then it's going to come down to defense and it's clear Missouri has the better defense. And for me, when it gets to this, I think Florida will score when they score is going to be the, the issue. And can the defense get enough stops? And that is a resounding no. The, the, this defense has not proven enemy anything to me since the Vanderbilt game, but they can get clutch stops when it matters. Again, I'm always going to point back to Arkansas. If you can't stop the worst defense in the SEC, what makes you think you could stop the fifth best or the best as stated last, you know, last week. So when it gets down to this one, the other thing also doing my homework since Missouri joined the conference, obviously this has been for every reason, the weirdest thorn in Florida side, you know, since, you know, the expansion, in 2012, when it was a night game in Columbus, the and the temperatures were below 50. Florida has won one game uh, when it was a night game, and when the temperatures were below 50, zero games in Missouri. They have won uh, at night below 50. So history is not looking too good, and with the way the defense has been playing, I just don't see it. I think Missouri pulls away with it. I'm going to go 34-27 Tigers. Okay, do those stats real quick again because I was looking at something else. Tell me those stats real quick. Since Missouri joined the conference in 2012, Florida has only won one night game in Missouri, and that was in 2015. But it was at the beginning of the season. I even looked this up. Temperatures were around above in the high 60s. They have never won – how many night games have there been? There haven't been that many night games in in Columbia. Out of just one, two, so there were eight. Eight. There have been five, and there, there have been five night games. Yeah, and only out of let's see, this is the eighth time they would have played them in Columbia. Yeah, uh, I might have looked at. I might have mixed up like a one in the swamp and one of the. I so I might be weirding this out, but I do know. They've only won – turn it the other head. They've only won one game when it was below 50 on the other side of that, and they've never won when it was night and below 50. Clearly, I'm doing way too much homework for this stuff. <laughs> no, I guess I – the reason why I'm questioning is because um, I remember um, 
what is it the like i know years past it was like like 2000 like 14 that they played in missouri or no 2013 they played in missouri and um that was afternoon. That was an afternoon game. And then they played 2015. Yeah. 2015 was a night game. And then last year, last time they were there, I'm almost positive it was a day game. That was a night game. That was the overtime. That was Dan Mullen's last game. Oh, you know what? I never even watched that game. I'm pretty sure I was like flying back from from Florida. Or oh, it was like my brother's, it was my brother's wedding. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. last time they played an afternoon game was in 2019. And yeah. that is the only game they have won in Missouri where it was below 50 degrees. Yeah, and so that was – okay, so that was – I this doesn't matter. This is like – I know <laughs> we're just like kind of figuring it out. I mean, I know it's obviously – people like to bring up the fact that um, uh, teams from Florida struggle in cold weather – and I know it's a thing, but you know, I don't know it. It's just a useless stat. I mean, no, it's, I know, it's, I know. It's, it's the equivalent, it's, like I call this. Was, this is like my ESPN stat. Like whenever I watch hockey, they give some stupid thing, like oh, the team that scores first when it was a full moon and the ice was below thirty yeah, degrees north yeah. of Canada is this record. I'm like, who, who cares? Yeah, for this sure. is a who cares stat. It's just stuff. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up though, because it, it is it is fair to look at that, and it, it's like I, you know, largely a lot of those stats have to do with the fact that you know Missouri probably had the better team in most of those matchups. So that, that is also true. Yeah, you know, so that that helps a, a massive amount. Um, so uh, this this you know like. Uh, the Bucks had those stats for years where it was like couldn't play in like 30 degree weather or whatever. And then it was like once they got better, it was like, oh, that kind of goes away because the team's better. You know, it's like, yeah, and it's like less to do with like the actual temperature and more to do with the fact that the team just wasn't good enough to be able to, to win. OK, let's move on to the rest of college football. Um, there's not that many big games this week because a lot of teams play um cupcakes so we only have one two three four five six seven eight nine uh nine games besides the ones that we cover predominantly so let's big let's talk about the one of the bigger ones louisville miami uh louisville has a chance like we said if they win they're in um against florida state in the acc championship game I think that with Miami losing their quarterback, Emery, um, having to go back to Tyler Van Dyke, it's going to struggle in this one because Louisville's defense plays pretty strong. Um, Louisville will score enough points. I think it's going to be a close one, but I'm going to say Louisville wins like 28 to 24. I think Miami maybe like, you know, kind of, you know, they're pretty much like, well, this season's a wrap. You know, they lost to Florida State. They, you know, they really haven't done much all year. They beat Clemson, which has been, you know, a huge, uh, a huge game that they haven't been able to win in a long time. So that's something. But you know, they've got four losses. Um, I think Louisville wins this one. I I like Louisville because um, yes, they had the hiccup against Pitt, but every other game they've looked really well. Um, they were a little bit behind against Virginia there. Um, and then they had to come back there in the fourth quarter. So obviously they can be had. Um, I think this Louisville team though is playing with house money right now. And I think they win this one. Like I said, 28, 24, what do you got Ian? Yeah. Um, for me in this one with Louisville having the number one defense in the ACC, it's going to be really tough for Miami to get the ball moving around. And they have really struggled uh, the past two weeks against NC State and especially against Florida State to really come up with sustained drives. Usually the only time they have been scoring is when they're on the right side of their own 50. So I don't think Louisville is going to allow that. I think they're going to make it pretty difficult. Also, another useless fact, Miami hasn't won in regulation since September 
Uh, all of their wins have been in overtime uh, mm-hmm. since then. Um, with that being said, I think Louisville puts this one away. They just, you know, really limit Miami's air game and contain it up the middle. So I'm going to go Louisville winning this one, not a high scoring one, but I'm going to go with a 24 to 10 uh, victory for the Cardinals. Okay, next one um, has some consequences for Big 12, which a couple of these games we have are Big 12 matchups. Oklahoma, BYU, it's in um, – uh, God, where is BYU? What city is it? Uh, um, That's uh, – Can't remember. Oh, wow. Why can't I remember now? <laughs> but either way, the game is at Cougar Stadium. Provo. Provo. Provo, yes, Provo. Yeah, and so Provo, Utah. Utah. So this – I'm leaning towards BYU in this one just because of that fact. Oklahoma has struggled uh, before last week. The, the, you know, they lost two games in a row, Kansas and then um, Oklahoma State. So I think they can be had as well. I think Keaton Slovis is good enough to uh, go after this Oklahoma defense. I think BYU wins this one. It's going to be close. Um, it's my upset. I'm going to say BYU wins like 31 to like uh, 30. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, o- Oklahoma, I-, I know relatively same area, but they really are living the thing of there is no place like home because the last two road games they've had, they've lost. Kansas and Oklahoma yeah. State. Uh, this one, and they, though, also, they almost lost a UC- – wait. The UCF game was at home, though. That was at Norman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and I mean, well, even then, their last road game was against Cincinnati, and even then, they didn't look too good. Yeah. Um, this one, though, I do think Oklahoma gets rattled, but I just think with the talent they have on offense, they're going to find a way to get the win here. Um, as much as BYU can put a scare, the offense has not been where it has to be to pull this off. Um, they've just been dominated by Ben most of these Big 12 opponents. So I'm going to go uh, Oklahoma winning this one. I'll go with a uh, 38-21 to 21 win uh, for the Sooners. Damn, you think it's going to be a blowout? I think Oklahoma – I just don't see BYU keeping up. I don't know. I mean, they, they kept up with Texas a little bit, so I think they can. I, that's just my opinion. And, and, because, and really – why I'm saying that is because the game is in Provo. If it wasn't there, I probably would say Oklahoma, but um, I think BYU's got a chance here. Okay, Utah-Arizona. This is a very intriguing matchup that, you know, in the beginning of the year you probably would have never even thought twice about, but now it uh, looms large in potentially being uh, Arizona's chance at a Pac-12 championship game uh, berth. I think Utah gets this win because of their defense. I mean, I've been a huge proponent of their defense all year. They've done remarkable things because of that. They've played despite their quarterback situation all year. Um, I think they can stifle this Arizona uh, attack with their quarterback and keep him in check. I think they can keep Arizona to like – 17 20 points and if that's the case they just need a just a decent amount of play from their offense which i think they can get because arizona's defense hasn't been you know that great they've allowed a decent amount of points against teams they've played so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say utah wins i'm going 24 to like 20 what do you got yeah, this one it's it's really going to come down to defense, um, and really this one I feel can go either way because yeah. both of the offenses Arizona has the better offense. Just straight out, yeah. I'm going to say that straight out. 100%. But defensively, I'm thinking back. They beat UCLA, who has a top ten uh, defense, and Utah is around that range, and it's also still in Arizona, which they beat yeah. UCLA. It was a home game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go Utah on this one. But if out of all the games, this is the one I could probably be the most run in. I think Utah, based on you know the experience of their players, finds a way to win. I'm gonna go Utes winning. I'll go twenty 
422. Okay, next one. If Tennessee hadn't lost last week, this would be a huge matchup, but now it's kind of like lost a, a lot of the luster. Uh, Georgia coming into Knoxville to play the Volunteers. Um, you know, I this could be a weird game where it's like, you know, Georgia has a couple of turnovers and Tennessee takes advantage of it and gets ahead early and then kind of rides it out type thing. But Georgia really hasn't turned the ball over at all all year. Their running backs don't fumble it. Beck really hasn't thrown that many interceptions. So, like, how do you stop this Georgia offense that is, like, top 10 in the nation, maybe even top five? And it's like, you know, you got to get them off on third downs, which they're, like, number one in the country on third down. So it's like, what do you do? I mean, I know this Tennessee defense is not terrible. It's definitely – holds its own. They get a lot of sacks and a lot of tackle for losses. Um, you know, I think their offense might be able to do something. You know, they struggled in the second half against Alabama. They only scored seven points against Missouri, but it could be again that they struggle here, which I think that's likely the case. I think Tennessee struggles in this game. I think they may put up at most, um, 17, 20 points. And I think Georgia puts up like 35. So I'm going like 35, 17. What do you got? No, I'm almost the same thing. The other thing is too, is how disciplined Georgia is compared to how undisciplined Tennessee has been this year with the penalties and all that. Oh yeah. Huge. And, discrepancy, yeah. yeah. And if, if Tennessee can only put up seven against Missouri, who has a very good defense, God help you when you play Georgia. So yeah. I think Georgia is just going to suffocate Tennessee make it a one-dimensional game for them, and Bulldogs win in a Bulldog-like game. I'm going to go uh, 30-10, to 10, uh, Georgia. Okay, next one. Another uh, Pac-12 uh, matchup with a lot on the line. Oregon-Arizona State. I think Oregon can win this one pretty easily. I think their offense is strong enough that they can stifle this Arizona State team. One – that they can uh, control the ball and, you know, they make enough plays on defense. Their defense is strong, which, you know, they like nearly shut out uh, Utah and um, they've done quite well in other games. You know, they played pretty well against that USC offense. And um, I think they can, I think they can hold the trick plays and the special plays that, uh, you know, Arizona state loves to do. And I think they could limit that. I think Oregon probably wins like 31 to like uh, 20. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, and I think the difference is between this one and the UCLA game is that Oregon is a much more well-developed, mature team in terms of the players they have right now. A lot more guys have been in these games for longer. And Arizona is going to do everything they can to win, but I just don't see Oregon letting that happen. Um, I think Oregon's going to win this one handedly. I'll go 35-13 Ducks. Okay. I wanted to talk about the next one, which is Kansas State-Kansas, but I'm just double-checking something real quick. Um, okay. Yeah, Kansas State still has a – actually, Kansas technically – it's crazy. Even with – there's like – Four teams at five and two in the Big 12. And then there's three teams at four and three. And it seems like there's a shot that all of them have a, a chance to get into the Big 12 championship. So that's like seven teams right now with a possible chance, which is just crazy. Okay. So Kansas, Kansas State. Um, it's in uh, Lawrence. Um, rivalry game. Kansas State does look good. I will admit, you know, they lost to Mizzou and lost some other ones kind of tough. Um, I like Kansas State a lot in this game because, I don't know, they're just a team that seems to be, always seems to be a well-coached team last couple of years. Um, you know, they barely lost to Texas. 
They barely lost to Mizzou. It was a late field goal. It was like a miracle field goal. And they got beat by Oklahoma State by one score. So um, I think Kansas State wins this one. I, I like them as a stronger team to Kansas. I know Kansas, you know, offensively they've been all right. But if uh, if Bean is not playing and it doesn't look like Daniels either, and if that if their backup is in there, I don't like their backup. He's he's not very good. Um, uh, let me see. I'm actually looking right now the update on Bean. Um, but da, 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 da. said he has suffered a, a head injury. So um, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't say if he's going to play or not. So maybe they're waiting out. Um, I like Kansas State in this one. I'm going to say Kansas State wins like uh, 34 to like uh, 22. What do you got? Yeah, I think this one's actually going to be pretty close. Um, based on the philosophy of the two teams, Kansas, you know, more run heavy this year. And Kansas State has been more aired out. Um, with that being said, I think – Based on the talent Kansas State has compared to Kansas, I think they'll find the way to win. I think they won in a close one. Um, I think uh, Wildcats win. I'll go 28 to uh, 24. Okay, next one. I think this is going to be the game of the day. Another Pac-12 uh, matchup, Washington-Oregon State. Now, Oregon State is that team that, like, I don't think anyone's really talked about all year, which is kind of crazy considering – um, how well they've played all year and they have a real shot at getting to the Pac-12 championship game, especially if they win out, if they beat Washington and Oregon. Um, so this is a tough game. Like I've always said, when teams come to Corvallis, they come to die. And uh, yeah. I think that's the case here. I think Washington can lose this game, but I think they still could get into the Pac-12 championship game, even if they lose this game. So there's a lot, a lot riding on the line for Oregon State here. There's a lot riding on the line for Washington as well because they almost have to be undefeated to get into the playoff. Um, I think, I mean, I think this game's going to be close. I think it's like a coin flip. I think either team could win this game. I like Washington more because of Penix more than I like uh, DJ with Oregon. State, so I'm gonna say Penix is my uh you know deciding factor here, uh, and Adunze as well. They're both studs. I think those two are you know the best two players out of either team, and I think they make a difference in this game. So I'm gonna say Washington wins in a close one. I'm gonna say like 28 to like uh 24. What do you got? Yeah, and especially because it's uh it's at Oregon State. It makes it that much more difficult oh, yeah. um, to win because, again, it's where a lot of these, you know, these this is like upset city uh, this year. But I think comparing the offense, um, I think it, it will probably be a shootout again because um, Oregon State has been no swatch on offense. Um, they have had a very good season offensively. You go, uh, you go, go Laley. Uh, has had a really good bounce back year, good change of scenery for him. Um, the rushing attack has been effective. Um, but with that being said, I think Washington just has the better version of the offense right now. As good as Oregon State's offense been, Washington has been better. So yeah. I think with Penix and with the you know balance attack between the danger of you know either Penix running it or Johnson running it or Penix you know throwing it. I think it's going to keep the defense off balance. I think Washington gets enough to win it. I think it's re really going to be close, but I think it's going to go down to the wire. I got the Huskies winning 35 to 30. Yeah, it's definitely going to be close for sure. Okay, last one, uh, Texas-Iowa State. You know, this Iowa State team is real pesky as well because they're 5-2 and two in the conference and have a real slim shot at getting into the Big 12 championship game. I like what Quinn Ewers has been doing. I've liked him all year. If he hadn't gotten hurt, he'd be right there in the mix for the Heisman. Um, but, you know, I don't even think they care because they're, they're obviously they have 
large goals. And if they keep winning out, there's almost no denying that they'll get into the playoff because one, they'll have the huge road victory against Alabama, which no one has as big as a win right now. I don't, I, I still can't think of anyone else having as big as a win as that right now. Um, maybe the Michigan Ohio state winner will be that answer there. But I think Texas would have that road victory that no one else would have. Um, and then also their one loss is to a really good Oklahoma team. So, you know, I think it helps there. Um, I don't know. I like Texas a lot. I did see that. Um, uh, God, what's the, what's the running back's name? 24. Um, For Texas? Yeah. That um, is, um, oh God. What yeah. What is his name? name? Uh, it's, I keep wanting to say Bijan, but Bijan's gone. No, Bijan's in, uh, Atlanta. Yeah, now. he's at Atlanta, but, uh, um, I can't um, think of the kid's name. Um, but he, Brooks? Brooks? Yeah, Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. Yeah. He hurt his knee and he's out for the year. So they're replacing a lot of, uh, you know, rushing yardage there because he had over a thousand yards and, you know, it's going to be a struggle. I know they have some talented guys there that can come in and do some things. So they're not going to be completely devoid of talent. I think this game goes a long way also for, um, um, Oh, Richard, I'm, I don't know if you saw, I'm just seeing the comments. He, he says it's going to be raining on Saturday for the USC game. And then he thinks they're going to have to rely on their run game as well. More where UCLA has really good run defense. Yeah, he's true. Oh, he did say Josh Rosen started as a true freshman that year too. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, no, I, I think Texas can do well in this game. I don't know too much about Iowa State because I obviously haven't paid too much of them all year. But this Texas team, um, I think they're hungry. I think they know what they have on the line. I think they've played in a lot of close games. They're very similar to what TCU was last year, seemingly. It seems like a lot of similarities. Um, I think Texas can win this game. Um, it's in Ames, Iowa. So it's, you, you lean towards Iowa state there, but I think Texas puts enough up. I think they're going to win. Like, uh, I'm going to say like probably 33 to like 28 close one though. What do you got? Yeah, I think Texas has been getting lucky. Um, they got lucky against Houston, Kansas state and TCU. And I think this one is going to be uh, like that. But I think Iowa State, a lot of their wins have been mostly layup games against weaker opponents. And Texas is not going to be that. I think Texas does get off to a slow start. But I think they pull away in the end. I'm going to go Longhorns winning 38-23. Nice. Okay, that is all of our games that we're previewing. Uh, Not a ton this week because there's a lot of cupcake games that a lot of teams are playing bad teams. So next week is rivalry week. So there'll be a lot more. Um, We're going to do a live show from uh, probably USF's campus um, next week. And then I will be at the Florida, Florida state game. And Ian, you're going too, right? Make it. What? Uh, I will not be able to make the Florida Florida State game. Ah, uh, okay. Well, either yeah. way, either way, um, I'll be there. I'll be there to, um, you know, rep the brand. So if you see me at the Florida Florida State game, I'll be repping the Hater Radio shirt. I'll be hard to miss. I got long hair, obviously, so you can see me from a mile away. Um, but regardless, check us at haterradio.com. Also on all the socials, which are at hater underscore radio for TikTok, Twitter, threads, uh, Instagram, uh, for YouTube. It is at hater radio for Facebook. It is hater radio CFB. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Yes. Uh, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at G underscore gator underscore G. So like subscribe, 
tweet at us, comment, everything. It helps the algorithm get us, you know, get us out there as much as you can. We appreciate the support. Uh, we have had a lot of support from family members and friends, which we greatly appreciate. Um, enjoy these games and we'll talk to you Sunday. All right. Take care.